Welcome to Decapod, the podcast for the Roberts Lab NPRB-funded project investigating the effects of bitter crab disease and temperature changes on southeast Alaskan tanner crabs. Recording. All right. All right. So today I have with me Chanel Houghton. Why don't you tell us about you, oh. where you're at, and what you're doing? Okay. My name is Chanel Houghton. I am now a second year PhD student, um, NOAA funded PhD student. I guess I should throw that in there. Um, at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore in the MIES program, Marine, Estuarine, Environmental Science. Um, I'm from Connecticut originally. Um, my background um, before being at the University of Maryland was in biology at the University of St. Joseph in West Hartford, Connecticut, um, where I did research more so in freshwater chemistry. Um, now at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore, I'm UMES. I keep saying that. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing um, research in marine science. Um, doing a molecular biology, genetics work, a little bit of transcriptomics, um, involving parasitic dinoflagellate hematidinium in tanner crabs, and eventually in Maryland blue crabs. Um, I guess, cool. I guess that's it. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see what other questions I have. Okay. Um, so... For your current research, is that something that you, like found out about and wanted to research, or is it something that someone brought to you as a potential study organism or problem? It was brought to me. Okay. So, okay, should I, like, start from how I got, like, kind of, like, how I got into this research type of thing, or? Uh, yeah, yeah, like, if that was what you intended to research, or if you, like, applied to grad school and then okay. found out about this project. Okay, or- so I applied to grad school and I had no idea about, um, you know, hematidinium mm-hmm. or parasitic Um So when I, my whole process of getting into grad school was I was doing research in freshwater chemistry and I wanted to find um, a professor who was doing work similar to mine. I did and he was at the University of Baltimore, University of Maryland, Baltimore County. And he was doing um, research um, in pharmaceutical pollution and UV filters. And I reached out to him and I was like, you know, this is my research that I'm doing now. I think that um, your work you're doing is great and we work really well together. He agreed and we built rapport. And I, through him, he suggested me applying for the NSFGRP. And that's how we kind of developed a research plan together. Um, I applied for it, um, but... I thought about going into environmental engineering, but I'm not an engineer. Mm -hmm. And I took the intro classes. I did not like it. And I didn't want to force myself to do something that I would be miserable for the next few years doing. So I applied applied to the University of Maryland to the MIES program. Mm -hmm. Um, Much better fit for me, especially with my interest in water science. So that's how I ended up in the MIES program. I got in... Um, but I didn't get the GRFP, unfortunately. And since I didn't, ha- I was coming, in, wasn't coming in with funding. He decided to go with somebody who was in engineering. Okay. So I ended up getting into the getting into the PhD program, but not having an advisor. Well, so they sent my application out into the 
the university cloud, I guess. Wow. <laughs> and I got a response. And um, that's how I met my current um, advisor, um, Dr. Joseph Petula. Mm-hmm. Um, and he came to me and said, you know, um, I know your background's a little different, but I think that you would adjust really well to my work. Um, and his, he told me his background was in you know, molecular biology, and he told me about the work he was doing mm-hmm. on blue crabs, and I thought it was fascinating. I've always... Um, I love science. I've always loved molecular biology and genetics. I've always been curious, but I've always like done well in it in my classes. So I said, why not? You know, um, I'm I'm always open to opportunities, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to science and learning. So um, he came to me about you know hematidinium and the work, and I was like, you know, a little different from my alley, but I'm open to it, mm-hmm. and why not? And that's kind of how I ended up here in that research okay that answers the question i hope that answers yeah the question. i mean i feel like okay. i didn't word my question very well but that's what i was trying to ask so <laughs> okay. that was perfect <laughs> okay great 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 um so um what have you been up to during your first so this is your second year yes what have you been up to since you've started since i've started so i've adjusted to being a grad student Mm -hmm. that was kind of my first year I did a little bit of lab work not too much because I didn't have any samples or anything um but I I did a little bit of you know brushing up on my skills you know like kind of like refresher things um I shadowed people colleagues in my lab um try to learn some of the way they do things some of the things they had success on and kind of understanding more about like how they work how they function as a grad student um and yeah, um, one thing I wish I did, which I will put out there, mm-hmm. I wish I did more reading and got mm-hmm. you know caught up on like the fundamentals of the field. You don't want to skip out on the basics. Yeah. Um, I know it's easy to get caught up in the, the humdrum of every day, but you definitely want to get back to the basics and kind of work your way up. Um, that's something I wish I did more of in my first year. Mm-hmm. Um, and another thing, I don't know how personal I can get. Whatever you want. Okay. Whatever you want. One thing that I battled with my first year a lot, and it, it, at a point became kind of crippling, was imposter syndrome. Yes. And it was hard for me because I felt like, gosh, I'm around so many very intelligent people. Mm-hmm. You know, they're so organized. They're doing so well. And I'm like this baby. <laughs> yeah. I feel like this baby. I don't know anything. I feel like I'm, you know, and it was hard for me to... to you know, it was hard for me to have the confidence I used to have, you know, yeah. especially going into a new field. I think that's what made it, you know, even harder. Mm-hmm. But um, after a while, you know, after I, like, put myself out there, started doing more work in the lab, you know, just even coming here and doing this internship and, and meeting you all and kind of working with different people. It's like, you know, I do belong here. You know, I may not know everything or I may not be super, you know, well-versed yet, but there's a reason that I've gotten to this point. Yes. You know what I mean? So, you know, those are, that's been my first year, really. Like, kind of, you know, dealing with imposter syndrome, getting past that, you know, brushing up on my skills, mm-hmm. you know, getting that background, you know, adjusting to having so much free time, but not having any free time at all. That yeah. makes any sense. No, completely. <laughs> I totally know. <laughs> you really are in charge of your schedule. Yes. And, and like, Pam said something to me the other day that I was like, <laughs> she's like, every minute that you don't spend working on your goals in grad school is another minute you spend in grad school. Mm. And it's so true. Yeah. So you have to really, really be in charge of your schedule. And I'm learning that. I'm still learning that. I'm still learning that too. Yeah. Yeah. That's been my first year. Yeah. 
That's good. I think that's probably most first-year grad students' experience, especially mm-hmm. with the imposter syndrome. And yeah. Like, even still, this is my second year, and I still have it, like, mm-hmm. in just different situations, yeah. new situations. Yeah. Um, like, I just went to my first conference a couple weeks ago, and I was like, what am I, I doing I here? <laughs> Man. But, but, yeah, but I think, I'm sure people have told you this before, but I always try to remember that probably everyone feels some some somewhere on the spectrum of imposter syndrome from being mm-hmm. like I'm not really sure if I'm here like I'm like really not sure so yeah like a colleague of mine she just wrapped up her her master's mm-hmm. and she, brilliant girl you know what I mean and you know she she started a cool job at a not at a startup in Boston and she's like she texts me that day she's like I'm having imposter syndrome I'm like what yeah. <laughs> are you kidding yeah it's like every new step in your yeah, career you're probably gonna zero. feel it yeah 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 so yeah it, it does happen yeah, yeah. you you get past it yes you get through it you yeah. just just don't let it don't let it cripple you don't let it make you give up mm-hmm. you know yeah definitely that's mm-hmm. important yeah um, did you take time off between undergrad and grad school? Nope. So you just went straight through? Straight in. I went straight. I went straight from undergrad to my master's. And I actually didn't. I have like, I'm like two classes shy of getting my master's. But then okay. I got into the PhD program. So I was like, I'm not going to worry about finishing out. I'm just going to go to the PhD. Because mm-hmm. even when I get my, even if I can always go back and just wrap that up if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. But if I get my PhD, no one's going to be like, oh, she has a master's and a PhD. She's like, she has a PhD. It's kind yeah. of like a, yeah. you know? So um, I went straight through. Yeah. <laughs> straight through. So, um, I mean, that might not work for everyone. Right. Kind of worked for me just because I like being busy. I guess I'm one of those those wild people that like a full schedule all the mm-hmm. time. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely got that. <laughs> So then, so did did you apply to UMS as a master's student initially, or did you go somewhere else for your master's? I went to my alma mater. I went to St. Joe's. Okay, so that yes. was your undergrad mm-hmm. and your master's. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, which wasn't necessarily my plan. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess this is worthwhile to put out there. Uh, my my journey wasn't necessarily linear. Mm-hmm. Um, I think far from it. Um, so, uh, I guess it doesn't really matter if, like, you didn't ask this. Okay. So, (laughs) (laughs) story time. (laughs) Okay. So, when I, I've always been really into science. Mm -hmm. I've been a curious mind all of my life. wondering how things work and why they do. Always asking questions. Always just being, you know. Uh, ponder things yeah <laughs> so I've always really been into you know understanding science and I had you know I, was, I had a rough rough teen years I was a bit of a rebel without a cause I didn't put as much as I should have into high school um I don't want to say I regret it because you know why regret life you mm-hmm. know everything happens for a reason your journey is your journey because it's your journey um but I wound up going to college without really a direction so my first year I gosh I don't know I don't know how to say I messed around dicked around I guess I just, you know I just didn't you know what I mean like yeah. I, I majored in some something that was just like why are you even doing this like mm-hmm. I just I did well and I barely went to class it just it just wasn't it wasn't it wasn't healthy it wasn't good it was like I just kind of went to college because they said I should go to college and I didn't really have a direction mm-hmm. and then after my first year when I realized that I didn't do much work at all and I still did well I was like this is weird like this 
You know what I mean? Like, I I can do better than this. Like, this isn't a purpose. Like, I feel like I'm going to be here for these four years, mm-hmm. waste my time, and get out and, like, okay, now what? And I don't want that. I didn't want that for my life. So that summer, I really took some time to reflect. I spent <laughs> some might sound kind of cliche, but I did a lot of meditating. That's awesome. A lot of soul searching. Like, yeah. I really just, you know, took time away from everyone and everything and tried to figure out who I was, what I wanted out of life, what was best for me. And I thought about what I loved. And I was like, it's always been science. You know, mm-hmm. I may not have done the best in high school, but that doesn't matter. It shouldn't. So I went to my advisor at the time and I was like, I want to switch majors and I want to go into biology. And I'm thinking that I want to go pre-med. And she's like, whoa. <laughs> she's like, well, that's my God. <laughs> I just kind of run. I'm like, oh, you know, this is, this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, she was a little apprehensive and she's like, oh, you sure? Let's start you off slow. And if you do okay this first semester, then you'll you we can switch you. And I'm like, okay. And I I, I did it and I knocked it out of the park. And nice. <laughs> she's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I um that's how I got into biology. Mm-hmm. And so that first year was pretty much just, you know, I, there's no trick credits I could transfer besides gen eds. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, got in and did that, and um, I guess. So what made you transfer to more environmental? Environmental. All right, I will tell that part of the story. <laughs> okay, so when I was pre-med, you know, to be competitive, you want to get research in early. Um, so my second year of being in the biology program, I went to meet with um professor who I was taking on the intro environmental sciences course and I really liked her Mm -hmm. I liked the way her teaching style so I wanted to work with her in research and I went to her with these crazy ideas like that I could not do there at all (laughs) like she's like we do not have the technology I don't think we're allowed to do half of this stuff (laughs) so dial down and then she's she's like so I have an idea of something you could probably work on here and then she was like have you ever heard of pharmaceutical pollution and I was like no tell me more (laughs) <laughs> and that honestly was honestly the start. Like once I got into it and I got into understanding water and water quality and I, my passion grew for it, there was there was no way I could continue in med school. It was environmental yeah. science all the way. And so yeah. that was a switch and I've been in it ever since. So how I ended up doing my master's at St. Joe's was that year that I, I wasted pretty much came back to by me. I ran out of funding. Like, I ran out of scholarships and all that. And I couldn't afford to stay in school. So what I had to do was I had to kind of rack up a little debt with the school. Mm-hmm. And then I had to stay on as a graduate student there. Okay. And have, like, use my loans to pay for what I owed. Because they wouldn't have released my transcripts for me to go anywhere else. I was actually interested in Yale. But I, I there was no way I could, you know get in anywhere without my transcript so mm-hmm. that's kind of how I end up staying there so that's a message you know <laughs> just pay attention like if you're going to do something like that like just know that pay attention to your school's policy because you never know what it is I didn't know that I would not have scholarships my last year I thought I would be fine but mm-hmm. you know just pay attention to that kind of stuff because it does sneak up on you yeah um, it's easy yeah. to forget about that when it's you're easy to forget about it school. when yeah but yeah money's important yes <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, I guess um, next, so you're here in Seattle. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you'd like to share about 
what brought you here and what you did before getting here. Sure. Um, okay, so as I mentioned in my intro, I'm a NOAA-funded um, graduate student. So what that means is there's a program in NOAA. Um, it is called the Living Marine Resource Cooperative Center. And what they have is an effort to diversify NOAA's workforce. So what that means is since I am a minority, um, and you don't necessarily have to be a minority, mm-hmm. but um, that's kind of like the, what the effort is to kind of, okay. like, you know, incorporate different backgrounds. Um, so my advisor had knew about that funding source. So when I expressed interest, he was able to reach out and kind of access that funding source. And then my school also is one of the schools that are in that program. Okay. Um, so it does depend on kind of like where you want to go. Um, I believe that the schools in the program are University of Maryland, um, Savannah State, um, Oregon State, um, I think Hampton University. There's a few. Okay. But it's, it's, it, they provided me with my tuition, mm-hmm. my um, research funds, and benefits. So it's a really good program to look into if you're wanting to get into marine science. Um, You want to kind of build a relationship with um, NOAA. Um, So, okay. (laughs) I digress. So um, one of the requirements for the fellowship is to complete an internship. Okay. So it's a NERTO. Um, (laughs) All these acronyms. I'm trying to remember what it is. Uh, I don't know if the N is national, but it's Education Research and Training Opportunity. Okay. Something like that. Cool. Okay. (laughs) So, you do, it's either, the minimum is three months, but you can three months to 12 months. Wow. And they fund your your research costs, your travel, and your housing. Okay. And what you do is you you apply to work with, you can work with any NOAA scientist. Um, Joe, my advisor, um, and Pam Jensen... They already were budding a collaboration before I even came into the program. So I kind of walked in on something that was already in the works. So that's how I ended up working with Pam. Mm -hmm. And it just made sense for me to do my NERTO with Pam. Pam is here in Seattle at the Lashkin Fishery Science Center. And that's kind of how I ended up here in Seattle. Um, And uh, Dr. Roberts was also included in on the collaboration. I know you probably remember the early discussions, group discussions that we had. Um, so that's how I ended up here also at the Roberts Lab working with you all. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how I ended up here. Yeah. yeah. And before you came here, you were up in Alaska. Yes, I, I was in Alaska for a week to collect my samples. Um, that was an experience. Yeah. So what samples were you collecting? So I collected, I collected blood and hepatopancreas tissue from about 200 juvenile um, tanner crabs. Okay. Um... And this is from Bering Sea. Yes, Eastern Bering Sea. Eastern Bering Sea. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Cool. Yeah. Nice. So you weren't, were you on the boats? You weren't on the boats, right? I or, wish I was not on the boats. Okay. I met them out in Dutch Harbor. So okay. they came in, dropped off the, like, I went on, I went on the boats to get the crabs. Ooh, that's, that's cool. <laughs> and I went on the boats a few times, actually, for dinner. They were really great. Nice. Um, so, yeah, I got to experience being on the boats and, and stuff like that. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. I think we might have went out one time. Not too far, but... A little little distance, and that was cool. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Cool. So then, all the samples you then shipped 
here to Seattle. Yes, I then shipped them here to Seattle, okay. um, where I began. I did my half of my extractions. You know, I'm mm-hmm. still struggling with my blood extractions. Um, and now my samples are off in Maryland, <laughs> waiting yeah. for me to return. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what specific things are you hoping to investigate using these samples? So I'm hoping to get a better look at the transcriptome. Mm-hmm. So I want to look at tetracrop transcriptome and also hopefully get some hematidinium transcriptome as well. I want to look nice. at how tenic- hematidinium infection influences immune and, immune and physiolo- physiological response in tetracrops. So I want to look at how it's influencing in energy storage. Mm-hmm. Is it exploiting glucose that's produced during molting and chitin synthesis? I want to look at if it's influencing blood cells, number of blood cells, um, any immune genes, you know, genes that, you know, activate, you know, encapsulation mm-hmm. or, like, you know, detoxification. Um, that's pretty much what I'm hoping to look at. And maybe some other things. I'm not entirely sure exactly of the genes. that I have an idea of what genes I'm going to pick, but I'm not mm-hmm. sure what I'm going to decide to pick when I take a look at the right. sequence. So, yeah. And then also I'm excited to kind of, like, compare. Yeah, I'm excited for that, too. <laughs> yeah, so that's yeah. pretty much what I'm hoping to look at. Cool. My samples, yeah. So the samples, I think, if I remember from your presentation, you mm-hmm. have them from males and females. Yes. So yes, you're gonna yes. compare between the sexes. I want to look at between the sexes. Okay. Um, I only have immature, so I'm not really gonna be looking at as far as maturity, uninfected and infected. Okay. Um, I don't. I haven't. They like you know my samples are wild to capture, so I don't yeah. have like controlled settings like temperatures like you guys. But mm-hmm. I do want to look at temperature as well. I'm planning on getting the temperature data from NOAA because nice. they keep record of that when they capture everything. Yeah. Um. So I want to kind of also take a look at that. Um. But yeah, it's pretty much gonna be males versus females, infe- uninfected versus infected. Sweet. Mm-hmm. And then eventually comparing that to blue crabs and seeing what else I can find with that. Nice. Mm-hmm. So what kind of stuff? Um, so blue crabs get infected with hematidinium. Yes, yeah, a different um strain. Different okay species. Different species, yeah. and they're on the east coast. Yes. Right. Okay. And they're in a different habitat. They're in estuarian. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And mm-hmm. do do they get? Is there the manifestation of the infection bitter crab disease as well, or is it? Yes. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So there's already been research done. In terms of, wait, I don't know in, what I'm asking. In terms, <laughs> there's been research done in terms of identifying what species infects, species of mm-hmm. um, hematidium affects it and how it impacts it. I, there hasn't been a whole lot on immunity. Okay. Um, interest, but not a whole lot. And it, there hasn't been a really, um, there's speculations or ideas of that it might, you know, the infection might influence molting, mm-hmm. but there's no solid evidence of that. Okay. So things are still in the works with, you know, um, hematidium that affects blue crab. But they've identified the species. They, you know, mm-hmm. like it's you know how with um, hematidinium in the Bering Sea, and I'm not sure about Southeast Alaska. Um, there's not really like a. Yeah, they don't know the, yeah, the species, species identification. Yeah, yeah. there's like so there's as I would say it's a little bit more developed over there, but not that much. We still there's still a lot yeah. of hematidium that's not understood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah it's kind of crazy to think about how like it's not even known how it's like transmitted. Right. It's like, like, like <laughs> what happens? Is it just out there, and then an yeah. injured crab can just pick it up? Is it 
how is it passed? How yeah. does the infection develop? How is it able to establish infection? Because it's one thing to have it in you. Mm-hmm. It's nothing for it to establish, you know, an infection, for it to reproduce and mm-hmm. then spread. Like, how does that happen? Yeah. You know? And Pam was saying the other day that there's there's areas in South Alaska where there's virtually no infection. Yeah. And then where it's there's 100%, fears. almost like virtually 100%. That's, mm-hmm. like, interesting. Like, it's fascinating. Like, how, like, how does it, how does it spread? Like, what is, what is it? You know, yeah. 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 So it's, it's, it's. It's crazy. <sighs> it's cool. <laughs> yeah. I almost wonder if, like, the ones that are uninfected that they see in little fjords mm-hmm. are, have, like, low levels of it, but there hasn't mm-hmm. been, like, a physiological stress enough to, like, bring on a full-on infection That's or something. Interesting. I don't remember what I was reading, but I feel like I saw somewhere uh-huh. that they can have the, the parasite in them but not actually be showing signs are actually really infected until physiological stress Mm. either weakens them or like i don't know maybe something causes the maybe injury yeah causes the immune system to become overwhelmed Mm -hmm. and that's you know how it's able to like kind of like overwhelm the immune system and establish infection that's interesting Yeah, or even, That's like, temperature. Yeah, temperature, Stress, too. or, like... And it's especially a concern, considering that like, oceans are warming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's... Yeah, it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So you're doing your PhD, mm-hmm. and you're... So that's going to be, like, I don't know, six years? I guess, well, who knows? <laughs> Honestly, man, I walked in this thinking it was going to be five years. I'm uh-huh. already one year in, and I'm like, I feel like i got five more years of work to do. So who knows? <laughs> I'm trying to keep it in the, the suggested timeline mm-hmm. of five years. I'm going to try. Mm-hmm. You know, it does help that I kind of already have a research project developed. I already have totally. samples. I can already start working. I, you know, I know by the end of this portion, I'll have a few chapters. So that's a nice thing. Yeah. And I'm already thinking about some side chapters that I want to do. So... Who knows? Who knows? Maybe five. <laughs> maybe six. I don't want seven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, we kind of established that it's unknown how long you're going to be doing it, but do you have any, like, do you think ahead past your PhD and, like, what you might be interested in pursuing as a career yeah I've what I would love to do is to bring everything full circle for me you know I've outside of classes I think I've done a really good job of of getting a wide range of experience I've um besides research and you know water quality mm-hmm. I've done internships um, government, nonprofit organizations, understanding the importance of water quality, how do we outreach and education, um, you know, just like different stuff like that. So, and now I'm kind of getting like the organismal side and marine side of water quality and mm-hmm. how changes in, in the ocean can influence its inhabitants. So I kind of want to bring it back full circle and go back into pharmaceutical pollution research. Mm. Um, cool. My dream has always been to be on the forefront of of um, finding the solution for that issue. Um, I'm not sure if you're very familiar with pharmaceutical pollution. I was just going to ask that. <laughs> um, pharmaceutical pollution, um, for those out there in podcast land <laughs> that may not know, is the presence of pharmaceutical drugs in our water system. 
So in our drinking water, in our groundwater, in our surface water, um, in our wastewater, and it's also been detected in our oceans now. Mm. Um, it's been in certain fish. Gosh, I can't remember the species right now. It's been shown that like um, you know, endocrine disruptors like like. Uh, manufactured estrogen mm-hmm. has caused if some fish to become intersex and they can't reproduce. Oh. Um, we don't know the effects that it has on humans, but it is in our drinking water. So we're consuming it. Um, oh. As you, you might be familiar with the use of um, gray water or wastewater mm-hmm. for irrigation now, yeah. that we have like a concern with um, you know, the amount of water that is around. Yeah. So we don't know if it's being uptaken in our, our food. Because right. plant, certain plants are able to uptake things from its environment. So if the, if the pharmaceuticals are in the wastewater and the plants are uptaking the wastewater, what is it uptaking in there? So yeah. we don't know. So it's fascinating. So I've, always, I've just always wanted to be on the forefront of understanding, better understanding the issue and resolving it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would love to be able to get back into that. My, goal, my dream would be to start a water company. Ooh. That would be my dream, but that's awesome. It's a, a ways away. Yeah, you know. So um, yeah, that or I don't know what else. Yeah, <laughs> Honestly, I. I'm fortunate that I have time to figure yes. it out, but that yeah. that's kind of what I would love to do. Yeah, that's know? an awesome goal. That's what I would love to do. And I I feel like there's probably ways you can learn or sorry not learn, but take the skills that you're learning during your PhD and apply that. Absolutely, that's why I kept an open mind with it because I'm actually thinking about for one of my side chapters is um seeing if I can detect any pharmaceuticals in the crab tissue. That's actually something that I kind of want to just do, you know, just to kind of help incorporate that interest. But the skills I'm learning right now, absolutely, Mm -hmm. especially with like transcriptomics and then like coding and like looking at sequences, like. That's all, like, everything, like, I'm, I'm so excited for the things that I'm going to discover in the next few years. Like, it's, a, it's, it's just, that's a beauty about science. It's like, yeah. everything's connected. Everything in science is connected, even when you think it's not, you know? Totally. The skills you learn from one thing could just totally be applied, like, you know, even with the different fields, physics, chemistry, you know, engineering, mm-hmm. it, all, it all comes, it can come full circle. So, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Do you eat crab? Yes. <laughs> Do you? I've had it like twice, mm-hmm. and for some reason I didn't really like it. Yeah, it's not for everybody. But I'm kind of interested to try bitter crab, just to know what it tastes like. Although I'm sure it's I disgusting. I feel like I feel like I've tried it, mm-hmm. but I just wasn't 100 percent sure what might have been it. Like it was just like a crab, with, like a weird texture. And consistency. I'm like, it has to. This might be infected. Yeah. But there's no way to really. I get, Cause I'm not, you know what I mean. But mm-hmm. it's just like, uh, yeah. But if it's if it's that crap that I had that one time, yeah, yeah, it could be a problem. <laughs> it could be it could be a problem for the industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Totally. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it would be know. cool once we start getting results to have like another episode where we talk about yeah. what we're finding and yeah. how they compare and contrast. Definitely, definitely. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess, I don't know, I don't have, or if you I have guess I could say this. Yeah. Um, if you're thinking about, if you're thinking about grad school, mm-hmm. really, if it's come across your mind, you've thought about it, you want to, you're really interested, go for it. Before you do it, definitely take the time to do your research. Find, um, 
those of you who are interested in grad school, you probably are familiar with the process. You got to find your professor first. You, you don't you don't want to just apply to a school. You want to look up look people up. Look up your research topic. You look up your your interest and look up who's doing work on it and talk to them. Reach out. 9 times out of 10 they'll be happy to talk to you. And they'll they'll be excited that someone's excited about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um Talk with them. Express your interest. Talk about the work you're doing. Talk about how you feel like you would be a good fit. And talk about, you know, just just talk to them. Build that rapport. It's so important. You, you're going to be spending years working with whoever it is you're interested in working with. So you want to make sure that it's a good fit. You know, personality-wise, work-wise, all of that. Um, and also just understand what being a grad student is all about. It isn't just about the work. You know, mm-hmm. it's a lot of you learn a lot, a lot about yourself as an individual, things you like, your lifestyle choices, all that. It's like a a, a time of self discovery. <laughs> so you know, you really want to do your research, try to talk to people who are in grad programs. Um, you know, just, just I don't know, just don't go into it just half heartedly. But don't be afraid to, to, to take the dive. Yeah. I have no regrets. Yeah. Um, there's days where it feels really hard. It's like, what What the hell did I sign up for? <laughs> <laughs> they want me to do X, Y, and Z. How am I going to do all that? But then it's, it's, it's amazing. Those days in the lab where you've had like a rough two weeks and you're just like, that's disappointment. And you're just like, man. And then you get that, 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 that moment where it's like you have a great result. And you're just like, yes. <laughs> like it's just it's it's a wild ride but it's worth it and if it, it, I recommend it to anyone who's who's interested you mm-hmm. know but you don't want to go into it half-heartedly you really want to take the time to decide whether or not this is something that you want because it's a huge commitment it is it's a really huge commitment but it's a worthy commitment if you're willing to put the time and the effort in yeah definitely I guess that's take home and don't forget about self-care i was just talking about yes if you're gonna get into a grad program like we mentioned earlier you got a lot of time Mm -hmm. (laughs) you got a lot of time and no time it's all up to you how you schedule yourself no one is gonna hold your hand no one's gonna tell you oh you have that that you need to do you have this you need to do you have to schedule yourself you have to make sure you're on top of yourself um but you have to make sure that you make time for yourself. Yourself. You have to make sure you make time to refresh. You have to make sure that you t- make time to take care of yourself because you can and you will get burnt out if you do. If you don't, so a lot of us tend to be like, you know, stick to our schedule and like you know be super organized. So schedule it in if you have to. Schedule <laughs> in an hour or a couple hours a week to do something you love. You know, relax. You know. Watch trash TV. I don't know. Whatever it is that you use to decompress, do it. Because yes. you don't want to overwhelm yourself. You won't be able to function properly. It'll f- physically affect you. And you don't want to be... A- Who wants to be unhappy? Who wants to be feel like they're just a drone? All they did was work all the time and they have no life. No. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy the process. Enjoy the journey. And that includes taking care of yourself. Um, so, yeah. I think that's, that's it. Yeah. Those are two very important points. And that's funny that you started talking about that because literally right when you started talking, I was going to ask you, like, what, what, like, uh, what's the word? Advice do you have for people who are considering going to grad school? Yeah. So, that was perfect. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. 
oh, this one way better than I thought it would. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. I think that, you know, even though there's some things that, you know, it's kind of like personal, but self-care and imposter syndrome are two very important things that I Definitely. feel like everyone needs to know about and, and we that people need don't to talk, talk about. more. Yeah, that exactly. we need to talk more about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you need to take care of yourself. Yeah. It's, it's so easy to just feel like you're just, you know, especially, you know, you want to make everyone happy, you want to make your boss happy, you know, but you need to be happy to be able to make everyone happy. Totally. You know, so, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. What kind of stuff do you like to do outside of your research? Like, what, what are things that you like to do to decompress and and have your own life separate from schoolwork? Um, I like to work out. I've been trying to get more get more into being healthy and take care of myself. Mm-hmm. So I like to lift weights. I'll go to the gym. Um, I'm trying to establish a solid yoga practice. Nice. My goal is to, to get an hour of practice in a day. That might take me years to do, honestly. <laughs> so I'm trying to at least get an hour in a week and go from there. That's um, good. <laughs> um, I like spending time outdoors. I like hanging out with my friends. I like, mm-hmm. you know, if there's, like, some event going on or, like, a festival or something, I want to try to go to those. Um, uh, I'm not really into the bar scene, but if that's your thing, you know, that's your thing. Um, even though I love wine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, movies, TV. I like to read sometimes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Are you one of the people that schedules your, like, self-care time? What I do is I I just do my self-care in the evening. So I'll usually get up, like, around 7, 38 o'clock. Mm-hmm. I'm in the lab or the office by 9. And then I'll probably work. Depend. It depends. And it also varies weekly for me. Mm-hmm. Some weeks are busier than others. It's always, that's how it's going to be. Yeah. So... I'll usually get home around, like, 5 or 6, and then no work. No work until the next day. Nice. Or, you know, if I'm having a day where, a week where I have some major assignments coming up, I might have a 12-hour day in the mix or a 15-hour day in the mix. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I can't have that self-care time. What I'll do is, whatever the deadline is, that next day, I'm off. Nice. I'm not doing anything but whatever I want to do. So that's kind of, like, how I... I, I get it, I get that self-care in. Yeah. You know, you have your time when you're working, and, like, kind of make it, like, a, a 9 to 5. Mm-hmm. This is my job. This is the time where I'm working, working, working. But when I'm off, yeah. Yeah. That's good. So that's what I try to do. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't always work out that way, but that's yeah. what I try to do. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's good that you're willing to yeah. admit that it's, it's always going to be a little different. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. There's some weeks where you're just like, man. Yes. Back to back. Yeah. 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 Well, that was awesome. You shared a lot of really interesting things about your your journey and mm-hmm. your research, and yeah. I'm excited to keep staying in touch about all of our work. One more thing yeah. that I throw out there: find mentors. Mm-hmm. Mentors are so important. You never want to go into grad school thinking that you know everything because you don't. And you don't want to have that attitude either. You're Be open to advice and learning. Take advantage of the people around you who have experience, whether it's your colleagues. Your lab colleagues, they've been here. You know what I mean? <laughs> they've been in that lab. They know they know how to, to, to deal with your advisor. They know how to 
to work the lab. They know everything, pretty much, where you are. Like, take advantage of the people around you. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Network. Talk to people. You have to talk to people. It's so... I, you know, I, I kind of struggled with that a little bit coming into my PhD because mm-hmm. I feel like I don't know a lot of things. So I didn't know so that confidence, you know, but it's so important to just talk to people, even if it's not about work, just establish those relationships with people. Yeah. Because once people, people, you know, I hate to say it, but if people like you, they'll be more adept to helping you. Definitely. If people know you, they'll be more adept to helping you instead of you only come to them when you have a question. You know what I mean? Like just work on establishing those relationships put yourself out there you know yeah um and then once you talk to people you'll feel more comfortable you know even with talking about science you know you don't feel like people are judging you or anything like that yeah so yeah um that's another thing is find people you know talk to especially you know um people with seniority people Mm -hmm. who have experience just yeah just build that network for yourself yeah Um, that can also help with like mental and emotional health because absolutely research is kind of, like, when you're doing a master's or a PhD, it can mm-hmm. kind of feel very solitary yes. and lonely, mm-hmm. and, like, you don't have, like, people collaborating with you, mm-hmm. but, yeah, yeah, talking to people that are around you and yeah. getting help when you need it, right. not being afraid to ask, that's right. important. Yeah. And go to yeah. events. Definitely. Like, go to, go to the, <laughs> even in, in your, um, most, I'm pretty sure all schools have a GSA grad student association mm-hmm. like go to their things you know meet other people even, it doesn't have even have to be anyone in your field like just meet people talk to people you know um like like you said grace it can get lonely mm-hmm. you can get up in the humdrum you go in the lab you leave the lab you go home you know mm-hmm. don't you just put yourself out there go to the gs the meetings go go to you know what i mean get involved in something you know get involved in a club yeah you know what i mean like even if it's once a month just you know that, that interaction is important definitely and it always looks good on your resume. Yeah. Volunteer. Get involved in things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to just, you don't want to just go to lab and go home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you definitely don't want to do that. <laughs> it's, you know what I mean? Like, just, just put yourself out there. Yeah. Um, Are there other grad students in your lab? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, a lot of them will be leaving by the end of the year. Aww. So, um, there was four of us and, um, Veronica already left. And Sabrina and Deborah will be gone by December, and then I'll be the senior person in the lab already. Wow. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. But um, yeah, um, yeah, there is other they're they're great girls, great. Um, yeah, your your lab colleagues can really become some some good friends of yours. Yeah. You know, you're there, you're around each other, you talk, you talk about things, life mm-hmm. things, you know, frustrations, you mm-hmm. know, like don't be afraid to talk to your lab colleagues. Yeah. Yeah. All right, I think we can. Think we think yeah. we got enough? I think we yeah. All right. <laughs> but we'll cool, definitely cool. have another episode talking yeah. about our findings once we have that. Yes. That'll be cool. And then you'll be in my neck of the woods. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for agreeing to to doing this. Of course, you're very really welcome. Good. I'm always more than happy to talk about the experiences and give advice because even when I was looking into finding out more about just being a grad student. I feel like it was so hard yeah. to find, especially, you know, from, you know, someone who's African-American. Like, it's so hard to find just background, just information, just mm-hmm. experiences, not just what you need to get in. Okay, mm-hmm. you can find that on the internet. You know, just some real, just, just information, just experiences and 
and knowledge, you know, yeah. it's like it's hard to come by. Like, this is cool. You know, this is a really good thing you're doing. So. It was part of the grant, so. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad it was, because I, I never would have done a podcast otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Decapod, the podcast dedicated to the Tanner Crab Project funded by NPRB. Check out our website at bittercrab.science for more information.